Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So as if it reported 163 hours and 22 minutes of us chatting nonsense uh, um, so far, since we started recording this in January of last year, wasn't enough. Um, well, we're back yet again, with no sign of abating and little sign of starting to make sense. Yes, it's episode 148. It's Pete, it's me, Russell, and it's the podcast that brings you all the chat on the subject of the beautiful club in the beautiful game. It's Brighton Rock. We welcome, as always, all our glutton for punishment listeners, and an especially warm welcome goes to our latest guest, the man, the enigma, the curiously old-school transatlantic fan that is Canada's own, Mr. Bradley Sullivan. Welcome, Sully. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Excellent. Lovely, lovely to hear your dulcet Canadian tones and loving the background you just put on the uh, Zoom chat here. Um, a, a massive Brian and Albion badge, uh, recent edition, which looks superb. It's got the top on as well, which is... Um, We'll get into where you got that from in a minute, but it's, um, it's topped from about, I think, mid-noughties, I think, 2004, five, somewhere around then, I think, which is a signed shirt. It's the amber and black away top, looking good, looking really good. So you are Canadian, born and bred, but you're an Albion fan. Should we start with that? Tell us why you're an Albion fan. And it's long term as well, isn't it? It's, it's been uh, probably pushing, well... Let's face it, since 1990s, so what, probably pushing two decades or more, I was in the Canadian Navy at the time, and a British ship uh, joined us, uh, and we sailed out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and uh, I befriended uh, a bunch of the lads on the ship. They introduced me to good British beer, uh, too much, but actually. And uh, one one uh, fellow in particular uh, uh, from Brighton, uh, when we arrived in Portsmouth, we went up to his place, to his dad's place at the time, and he took me to a football match. Obviously, he was an avid Brighton fan, and I can honestly say that uh, probably one of the very few Canadians that actually stood in the North End uh, and uh, cheered on Fozzie. Oh. 
That was when I that was when I was first introduced to Brighton, and he, uh, yeah, he took me to um, probably about five matches altogether, some home, some away, and uh, I was I must admit I was a bit nervous because back in those days there was a bit of hooliganism going on, and mm-hmm. it was uh, a little bit uh, edgy for someone that wasn't uh, used to that sort of thing, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. The fact you went to away games as well. I'm not sure if I caught that when we had up and chatted before, but um, that, that would have been potentially quite edgy, <laughs> depending on which yeah. games and by chance which which days that were uh, those were occurring. But oh. yeah, so you went, so you got to a few games. That's brilliant, and right in the heart of the uh, of the 80s, within in the 70s, 80s, around which, which date was it actually? Do you it would know? have been uh, early 90s for us. Oh, it's 90s. So it's the second phase for Fozzy. That was there, yeah, when he came back to us, yeah. Gotcha. I believe um, it shortly thereafter, uh, I don't, it may have even been the same year, but if not that year, certainly the year after, uh, it was the year that uh, Brighton went to the finals of the FA Cup. Oh, so maybe it wasn't the ninety. that would have been 83 if it was the Cup final. Oh, forgive me, did I say 90s earlier? No, yeah, I, joined yeah. the Navy, I joined the Navy in 76. So it was probably around 77, 78, 79, somewhere in that range. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so Fozzy, Fozzy period one, the proper period where he, where he was doing his stuff. Great. Superb. And so, you, so, so that Albion fan got you hooked on the Albion. Uh, just to follow from afar, I guess, pretty distanced and um, minor levels, I guess, at that stage, because not an awful lot of Albion games you could see over there, I'm imagining. Um, but did you get to come back over, or was there any further Albion connections? Um, I came back uh, a few times whilst in the Navy, um, mm. I, but unfortunately, I never got to see any of the matches. Um, uh, but then, as you know, what I think it was about maybe 10 years, 8, 9, 10 years ago, uh, before I retired, my employment took me over to Germany, and then on the way back, I asked for special permission to um, stop in at Brighton. And that's where you and I first met each other. And uh, yeah. I yeah. went to a match then uh, with Dean. And uh, unfortunately, we lost. But the thing, the best part of it was after the match was over, we all met up at the pub. But I can't remember the name of the pub, but apparently it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, the pub in question you're talking about is the one that's a long walk, but walkable from Whitdean. It's called the Brewery Tap, which was our regular back then. Um, yeah. I was on the, the message board, which was the official club's message board, and then we did our own one later, which was um, we, we called the Bomb Squad's Brighton official message board. Squad. Which and, I am um, a that, member of. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that's how I know you. That's where we, that's how we got talking, along with a load of others. You've got uh, people like Moya, Gong, Early, Lockie, Cheshire, Midlands, Wiltshire, uh, Wills, who we were talking about just a fair moment ago, and a few others uh, besides as well. Forgive me for missing off a few names. Um, and that's how, that's how we all knew each other through the, um, through the Bomb Squad uh, site, which was good fun. A um, bunch of us used to meet up on match days before the game. There's quite a few, few of us had season tickets. And um, I don't think I had a season ticket at the time, but I made sure I was at that game because I knew you were coming over. And we had a right old time, didn't we, in the pub? <laughs> sure did. And that was uh, that was the night that uh, you may recall I was uh, one time the uh, belly bounce champion. 
and I had to turn it over to Wiltshire. <laughs> That's right, indeed, yes. We're not going to try and explain what that is all about, but <laughs> it's something to do with beer bellies, put it that way. Um, yeah, you, you lost it to Wilts, didn't you? Yeah, Wilts, as in Wiltshire, a uh, guy, guy, friend of ours who's a prison warden, actually, over there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and still is, still still doing the same job. For anyone that's just seen the BBC series Time, he says, don't believe everything you see on that. Um, not necessarily an authentic depiction of the prison system. <laughs> it was good fun, though. I don't know if you saw that, Peter, did you? No, I didn't, no. Uh, oh, it's recommended. Sean Bean. Very good, very good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was it. The one time I've met you in person was in that pub on that, uh, that weekend you were over. And we had a great time, a really good thing song. We'd known each other online through the... <laughs> message board for years but um it was great to finally hook up yeah. um we also had a similar thing at one point with a guy called boss joe uh, who you, you'll boss remember joe. of course yeah he was there who is, he was there that day as well wasn't he that was the same he day was. yes of course it was yeah um he for, to explain to listeners was uh the chairman of the swedish branch of albion supporters um, he was also the only member of the Swedish Albion supporters, <laughs> and he ran the he ran the site in Swedish. I'm not sure if anyone else read it. Um, he was quite a character. You're probably confident sort of... of no not having a coup then, and someone taking over. Exactly. Um, he's a classic geeky Northern European, just like us over here in in the UK. And um, yeah, he's a good lad. He's he a lovely guy. I um, haven't seen him for a long time. I'll have to get him on at some point. Um, if he's still about but uh no that was that was a great night loads of us met up and it was really good to meet um and i was quite curious to meet somebody who supported the albion despite having been, not been brought up in, in the local area it shows the connections they come from far and wide it can be a place you went to university or went to work for a while it could be just uh, you fancied picking a team at random which is the case becoming quite a common thing with a lot of American listeners nowadays to the show and followers of the Albion as a club, um, including Amir, if you're listening, Amir, hi to you. But anyway, um, a lot of Americans have tagged on to football in general in the UK, particularly the Premier League. So, of course, when we got into the Prem, we've had an escalation in the number of uh, fans from abroad who have who've just tagged into us. And uh, so you're not alone over there, transatlantically speaking, in terms of the Albion followers. But you were certainly one of the first, I would imagine. Yes, and uh, um, I don't want to insult anybody, but uh, one of the one of the things that my friend, uh, Blackie, I used to call him, uh, taught me when I first became an Albion fan was yeah. you cannot, in under any circumstances, Cheer for Palace. <laughs> exactly. I hear you wanted to um, relieve yourself in the South London area when you were picked up by a friend of ours on the, on the way to uh, esteemed visits to, to the UK. Um, but you were told it was a little bit out of the way. Fair play for <laughs> fair, fair, 10 out of 10 for effort, basically. The thought was there, Ross. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I should point out, by the way, the nickname Blackie, it's not um, anything racist. That's to do with his surname, wasn't it? Just, just in case right, anyone yeah. was wondering. Actually, uh, <laughs> and you, you met him as well, Ross, that day. Yeah, he was in the pub too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Him and his wife. It was a very crowded pub, I have to say. And plenty of, speaking of, um, as the word black, lots of Guinness was, was drunk, wasn't it? The black stuff, as they Quite call it. Quite a bit, quite uh, a bit, yeah. Absolutely delicious. Mm. Love it. So I know you don't get to follow too much of the Albion, and I know you're more, more geared into the ice hockey, but um, any thoughts on the Albion? I mean, obviously when we met, they were in, I think it was League One at the time, if we can date it right. Um, 
things have moved on. We've got the stadium. We've got this huge new training grounds. We've got ourselves in the Premier League. We started to play seriously good football and things look to be continuing to go on the up. What do you make of it all? Um, Despite the fact, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm so happy that they're in the premiership because now, because they are on a, uh, every once in a blue moon, I actually get to watch a match on the telly. But, you know, it's the same Brighton. Although I love them to death, they still keep you on the edge of your seat every season. Um, but, you know, one, one thing that I uh, l- would like to see improve, we don't have a bad defensive team. If we could just turn even half the draws into wins, we'd be well ensconced into mid-table mediocrity, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Peter and I, I mean, Peter, we've waxed lyrical about how well we've played A defensively and B in terms of general build-up play. Uh, and yet, of course, everyone's talking about this as well. The finishing or the quality of chance creation, various yeah. different things could have been better. You're right. If we could just turn some of those draws to wins, some of them have had dodgy decisions, but other times we've just not finished teams off or maybe given ourselves a bigger lead in matches where we could have done. And then it's come back to haunt us. Yes, number of, literally number of times we've said the second goal will be crucial in the game. And compared to the number of times we've actually got that second goal is... Uh, it's quite high. And so three times, I think we took the lead two for a second goal this season. And numerous times we conceded a yeah, silly equaliser and go on to lose or draw. It's, and you're right, Pete. And like for me, when I'm looking, and you know Wills, he has the prediction league. And yes. uh, so I'm, I'm an avid uh, member of that as well. And it's how many times have we seen points dropped at the last possible second? And, um, it's 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 frustrating, if to say the least, because we we can have a good football team, but to me, over the last couple of years, we've played just well enough to not be relegated, mostly because of the fact that two of the three teams are, have played so poorly that uh, there's no worry about uh, about them. There's always that seems to be that one team that you're not a hundred percent sure whether they're going to catch a little bit of fire and pass us, you know, but. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, look, you look at Fulham this season. I mean, at one point they got level with us and, and I think they only, they only got about two points the rest of the season after that. It was ridiculous. Kind of, and a couple of times. Goal. Yeah, exactly. Peter. And a couple of times how it was our point, their goal differential uh, played that extra point was uh or what, what, you know, which is the equivalent of an extra point because of goal differential, mm. uh, has helped us. Which is why it's so frustrating in a way, because as you say, we're so close. Mm. And it's, you know, it's just turning that, either that little bit of investment or that little bit more quality in the final third or whatever it's going to take. It's just that a little bit more that you need to get to from, you know, 17th, 8th, 16th, 15th to get to 11th, 10th. And we're so close. And under Hewton, we really weren't that close. We were kind of like, I think, 17, 16 was about right. We were nicking goals through Murray. We were defending like quite deep. But yeah. it's, it's more frustrating now in a way because we are so near to it. And you feel there is the quality there. Even if we did sell like one or two like the Suma this summer, I think there is, there is the quality there. It just needs that extra bit of quality in the final third that do we have the money and the resource to spend on because we haven't done that well in terms of the... Exactly, and, and you must have read my mind, Peter, because I was about to ask you both if uh, 
being that you live there and you know a lot more about the in and outs of the team, do we have the money to invest in a couple of players that certainly I would think uh, forwards? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the the big question. I think I think I think they will sell Basuma this summer or White even to talk about now. And I think the reason they will do that is because they're more well, certainly in White's case is more easily replaceable because Veltman comes in. And then hopefully that will spend, you know, free up the money to then invest in the final third yeah. and actually improve the squad overall. But obviously you've got to get the right players. Joe Linton for Newcastle cost £40 million and scored something like three goals in his first two seasons or something. So, I mean, if you don't get the right player, it doesn't do any good. I heard, uh, I read just uh, either today or yesterday, and sorry if this news is a little old to you, but Liverpool is quite interested in Pascal Gross. Any, any, um, anything more yeah, on that at all? We haven't talked about that yet. Actually, it's new. I think it is new news. Yeah, it's new, yeah. new gossip, or is it old gossip regurgitated newly today? I'm not <laughs> sure. I know with that. You never you? know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a silly season for journalistic stuff for the domestic football market. It's a nightmare because there's so many stories just circulated, and we we have Paul Camelin come up, uh, the media guy from the Albion comes up a lot when we have guests, um, particularly if they're club guests coming to Seagulls over London, and he's always saying the vast majority, nearly all of the stuff you hear on the rumour mill is absolute bollocks. (laughs) Complete and utter rubbish. There will be occasionally agents agitating and playing shenanigans, of course, Um, but I I suspect there's nothing to it. I really don't see how, he's he's been fantastic for us, but his style of play and his speed does not suit Liverpool's style of play. I, I really can't see a, a way that, you know, I mean, there was, I, I think I was saying on the WhatsApp group earlier, Thiago was regarded as Liverpool fans as not having quite fitted in because his pace wasn't enough and he, 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 he slows play down. Well, Grosh, for all his, you know, the quality that Albion have, you know, will have is, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say we'll, we'll do the same thing. The interesting thing, I hadn't realised he's out of contract next summer. That's the worry. So if he doesn't sign up this summer, I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere. Is he 30? Yeah, he's 32 yeah. apparently, which is where the... Happy uh, birthday, yeah. Came from, yeah. 30 today, you know, same age as me, Peter. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, matter of fact, I remember celebrating your 18th birthday when I was over there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right, years exactly. Ago. I, like, I, like, I can remember being 30, but I think I got so drunk on the day I was 30 <laughs> that I'd forgotten it. To be honest. I find that hard to believe that uh, you I know, it's shocking, drink any beer at all. And uh... yeah, I'm mean, well, we're we're te- beer as we speak <laughs> <we> now. <laughs> we're teetotal, aren't we, Peter? Yeah, as as proved in the last podcast, we were heard last week's show. We'll up we'll, uh, attest to you know when we were ordering orange uh, juice at the pub and cokes, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and maybe yeah. a cup of tea if there's any on the brew. Yeah, if they're if they're offering it, yeah, you know. I, there is one player that I really miss that played for Brighton, the Frenchman there. I remember his father passed away uh, the year that he was playing, and now he's not oh. with us anymore. Who's that? Is that um, what's that? Knockout. Yeah, knockout. Knockout. Anthony yeah. Knockout, yeah. yeah was, sorry, I was thinking further back. Yeah, of course. He, he, was, knockout, he, was, yeah. he was, yeah, brilliant. I mean, in a promotion season, he was incredible yeah. for us. He, yeah. just, he was so good. He did he just not want to play for us, or did they trade him because they felt they could do better, or what was the, the reason? The latter, I think, in the end. Potter came in and didn't really rate him. He had oh. a couple of... He, he didn't have a lot of brilliant games Premier League. He had a couple of seasons where he, he had some good games, but he also had games where he didn't quite do what they do enough, and other games where he got frustrated and got a couple of sendings off. And I think Potter had a look at him over pre-season and didn't fancy him, so he, we loaned him out to Fulham first year, and then they we sold him to them last summer. 
But yeah, um, I mean, he was one of those players. That, I mean, there's, there's not been a loss over the years, but where you, everyone just stood up almost when you kind of look at, they got the ball. He was just so brilliant to watch. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was nice when when he uh, when they played that one game and they scored the goal. Of course, he, uh, he wasn't there at the time. He was uh, over in France uh, burying his father. And the mm. boys scored a goal, and they went and grabbed his jersey. Remember, and they held it up. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that Sidwell was, that goal was... at Bristol City. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the game. There was a bonfire night. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bonfire yeah. night. Didn't the keeper try and blame fireworks for him, like not be able to see the, the ball or something? <laughs> <laughs> he did. And we were we were behind the goal, quite high up uh, behind the goal, and we had this blood red sky over the opposite stand behind the other goal, which yeah. is where the goal was scored. So I just remember the view. There must have been some great pictures. In fact, I think there are some great pictures out there. In fact, I think Paul Barber has one in his office. I remember seeing it at one point um, when he was being interviewed for something. And um, yeah, he's got a picture of, uh, of, the, of the goal and, and all sorts. So it's great to see. see that. Um, so, Peter, yeah, we didn't have anything to, to drink last time. I'm, on the, I'm of course, having a, a fruit juice today called Citra Napa Junior, I think, or JNR uh, salt. It does have an alcoholic percentage on the back, but I'm sure that's by mistake. It must be a printing error. Because of course, uh, I don't. I don't be. like to drink. Yeah, yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know I, me, uh, Sally. <laughs> the other thing, Russ, is um, you know, I wanted to talk, uh, if you don't mind, about Glenn Murray. Um, Absolutely, please do. Yeah, strange. yeah. He 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 hardly got to play at all this season, hmm. but yet last season was one of the best seasons he'd ever had goal wise. I don't hmm. know how many goals he scored in the season, but he was like. At least when they got the ball to him out the front, he could put it in the net. You know? Yeah, I do yeah, wonder I what, what it's a five-year younger Murray would do in this team. Mm. See, yeah. the chances we've had this season and would be so it would yeah he'd be ideal for that system really in that sense. You think now he says he's retiring. Do you think the team will find a spot for him on the club? I hope so. I think they'd like to, wouldn't they? I think that that would that would be the general consensus and the general initiative um I, i'm not sure what he wants to do immediately in the, in the, the next couple of years whether there might be something that precludes that happening straight away but i'm sure his associations with the club will stay tight i think he'll have some kind of ambassadorial role if he's if he wants it later on i think we'd I mean, like to get him in a striker coaching role as well let's um, face it yeah he might be able to, to show uh teach the, some of our strikers that we have now how to actually put the <laughs> ball in the back of the net yeah, we could do with a bit of help with that one, couldn't we? Um, I, I know he, he's, he's he's interested in the media a lot. I think his, his short to medium term plans are just to expand his media career. And he's he's very good, actually. He's been on BBC TV, BBC Radio. And I think he, he does um, various other bits and pieces elsewhere as well. Um, so it's definitely moving in that direction in the shorter term. But yeah, I mean, he might keep some kind of association with us in that shorter term. And, and, and in the longer term, yeah. We'll hope to see him on multiple occasions coming back to the Amex in one capacity or the other. I'm sure there'll be a showpiece um, friendly as a testimonial type event yeah. in the summer. I'm almost certain that'll happen. Really we, we, normally, yeah, we normally have one big friendly at home, don't we, to, just before the kickoff. There's and, another, um, another lad that I wanted to ask you about because, again, where you're over there, you know more of the background. He was one of my favorites, my favorite ones, Guy Butters. Ah, yes, Mr. Butters. And, uh, he was one of my favorites, and I was so saddened when he left. But but he, he's now apparently um, coaching, and he had uh, he advanced his coaching 
you guys like you have certain levels of coaching. Yeah. I wondered uh, if he would ever have anything to do with the Albion again in a coaching, yeah. not coaching but the main coach, but at least. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he, as you said, he's doing the coaching. He's doing work with Albion in the community, which is this huge local-based charity um, initiative going on down there. Um, he does, I know for a fact, because I well, I knew anyway, but I also bumped into him. At, um, it was actually a, a pre-season friendly um, in the East Stands. Um, I think we were playing Southampton that day, which is funny enough where he lives. <laughs> um, but anyway, he, he was doing hospitality, um, which I think he does often on match days. So he, he does that kind of a role, which mm-hmm. I think Bobby Zamora does. Those of the older school players yeah. like Andy yeah. Rollins and Gary Chivers do that as well. Um, and Alan Mullery, of course, the manager who was with us on a couple of occasions as manager. We've also legend, we've by, um, London, haven't we? He was a... Yeah, yeah he's been a guest there. Times, he's, hasn't he? yeah, yeah, a really nice guy and a fantastic guest and really interesting as well. He was a... Yeah, I always yeah. wondered yeah. what happened to him. I'm actually a friend of his on Facebook, but obviously, I, I mean, I don't speak to him very often. I've, I mean, if he happens to post something on, I notice it and I'll look at it, but uh, it's not it's not as if that... Let's just say he's an acquaintance, uh, not rather than a friend. Yeah. Yeah. But, he's a good guy, though. I remember his winner at West Ham when we, when, uh, we won 1-0 one, when they had about 25 shots and we had about one, I think, and... <laughs> they hit a, hit a post and the uh, keeper had a man in match and he scored the goal in front of our fans at Upton Park as we nicked a 1-0 win. It was a, yeah. that was a pretty I, good afternoon. I won 200 quid on a 10-quid bet that day as well. That's quite a big win. Yeah. Look, shame is another, not a big, big one. Uh, another um, highlight, if you care to hear about it, that I had, mm. that I remember, was um, I believe it was the very first home game we played at the new stadium. Yeah. And we were losing one nil and we had a gentleman and his name escapes me right now. He doesn't play for us anymore, but he's still in the league and he scored two goals and he, we Will came Buckley. back Buckley. Yes. Will Buckley. And he scored two goals and we magically won that game in front of all the fans. And in the, the 96th minute where it was as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was late, very late. Yeah. Yeah. And the fans went nuts. Yeah. That was a good was, afternoon. Yeah, certainly. But, um, oh, yeah, I have uh, so many, so many memories. I, I, another thing, too, I remember, Russ, listening to your podcast that you had, the one that you made on the bank holiday. Uh, oh, yeah. and, you, and you mentioned um, the Everton manager uh, going to, um, where, where is he going? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Um, mm-hmm. Before Brighton made it to the Premier League, Everton was my Premier League team that I followed. Oh, um, okay. So I still kind of, there's a broadcast, another podcast that I follow, and uh, I heard that. But there was, is it true? I heard that one of the people that Everton was looking at was Gus Poyet. Is there any truth right. to that? Mm. I haven't heard that, to be honest. He did quite recently take a job back in South America, I think in Chile. Oh, well, um, that- so I'm, I'm wondering if he would move so soon, but um, money that talks. Was, that was Russ. a few months ago. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Speaking of who knows, something arrives at who knows. Nuno. Nuno isn't going to Crystal Palace. We're all sniggering about that one. Um, oh. Last time we recorded, we thought he was. Um, there seems a lot of demands, continued ongoing demands. Every time something was agreed, something new was asked for, mainly yeah. to do with his 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 uh, entourage. I think more than. 
actual money demands. But um, he's not going there. There's rumours Steve Cooper, the Swansea manager, just turned it down as well. We think Frank Lampard might have turned it down. We're, we're really I'm feeling sympathetic. Like, I'm not like, giving excuses to the show here. I've turned it down as well. <laughs> so have I, yeah, I've turned it down. Well, you've, you've turned it down, Sully, as well, presumably. You must do this. Well, no, mechanism. actually, the uh, I was, uh, I'm contemplating signing a contract for uh, midfielder for the for Albion, actually. Ah, yes, well, why not? Yeah, give, give it a go. We, we could do with some more, um, yeah, some, some, some good players in there. I'm sure you're great. I've not seen you play, but... <laughs> Another international star, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We've got all, you know, Brighton has quite a number of international stars. You mentioned, I know there's a few of us in Canada, certainly, and Sweden. And then we have a big entourage down in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's growing right. all the time. Hmm. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Half of Bayer Leverkusen seems to follow Albion these days as well. Yeah. Seems to be a big following in Germany. Yeah. And, and also, thing. remember when we got Ali Raza? Um, Raza, yeah. From Iran, uh, apparently uh, there was quite a number of Iranians then that joined the the entourage, not the, the entourage, but the club. Africans with first cow as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think he's got something like six hundred and fifty thousand Twitter followers or something crazy. So yeah, uh, yeah just crazy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and he may uh, move on. There was another thing that I was reading. This was on BBC. I I have the sports in there. It says England and Brighton. England plus Brighton player, England plus Brighton player equals victory. And it says, it's official. When a Brighton star plays for England, they win every yeah. time. It says That's Ben right. White made record. his international debut on Wednesday, coming on as a 71st minute. That was in the friendly in Austria. But he played, yeah. he did, he did uh, attend the, uh, uh, he was on the bench for the Croatia match and they won that as well. And it says, but back when they played that friendly in Austria, it said that it made him the fifth Seagull player to represent England after Tommy Cook, Peter Ward, Steve Foster, and Lewis Dunk. And the three Lions have won all seven matches in which those men featured. Brilliant, isn't it? So you'd Great start. Yeah. Yeah, they should just pick all Brighton players, really, on that basis. <laughs> no. Definitely. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> At least we just need one. <laughs> Well, we I admittedly not many not many appearances have been made in the England team by Albion players, which allows that stat to be true. But nonetheless, it's we're taking it. Team though, it's not like that. So you know, let's yeah, not play it down. If Southgate plays White in the next six games, we're guaranteed to win the Euros. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If not, well, he doesn't put himself to blame. The stats are clear. You know? So who I do you think? We've, we've... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go on, sorry. Yeah. Go on, go on, sorry. I was just going to ask you who. Your opinion. Who do you think is going to be our primary uh, goaler, goalkeeper this year, the upcoming year? Well, for the Albion? Yeah. Oh, def- definitely Sanchez, unless, Sanchez, unless he's already sold, which hopefully won't happen that soon. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely magnificent. So I'm, I mean, seeing him in the flesh, obviously, you can see a lot more than anything on TV. And I know you don't get a chance to catch too many games anyway. But if you'd seen him, you, you'd think, wow, there's, it's a no-brainer now. He's, he's so good. He's... He should really have um, have had, I think, his debut for Spain. He's been involved with the squad, but he hasn't been. I, I don't think he's been given any time, has he? Yet? Might have been though if he hadn't been for the, had a COVID outbreak, didn't they? And they had to play like their under twenty threes against uh, their final friendly. So right, that's true. The game there, if he hadn't been, because I mean, yeah. they know what they can do. They played the other keeper in the previous game, 
in a free midfield yeah. right. Sanchez might well have got his chance there, but yeah, so he what, they couldn't do it. What happened then to the Aussie goalkeeper that we had? He he, he had a bit of a well, he had a slight. I I didn't think his form was as bad as some people said it was, but or did uh, I? Matt Ryan had a a run where he wasn't saving much, we say, but a lot of the shots weren't that. It wasn't like he was making massive errors, but he just wasn't saving much, and so a decision was taken to drop him from. Sanchez, and I think then, well, for whatever reason, whether it was him, whether it was a club, they decided that having him a second keeper at the expense that you know, the wages he probably has was not a practical idea. Prior to that one year uh, where they said that he wasn't doing well, the previous year and the previous two years, actually, yeah. uh, they were raving about him. I, I agree completely. He was one of my favourite players for the first three seasons, and I, I didn't think he was as bad as a lot of people said. But on the other hand, I have to say, I've having I've never, I've not watched Sanchez live, but he has been on TV. He's been absolutely superb, and yeah, you can't. It's, it's the one thing he has over Ryan is height, and he he dominates that area so well. And um, Matty Ryan, what, he was a great keeper, but he was you know not the biggest and didn't really dominate his area because of his height. So whereas Sanchez, <laughs> I think my, one of my favourite moments of the season is when we're one up at Liverpool with about. In, in injury time, and there's a corner, and Sanchez comes to the penalty spot and takes the ball from, you know, pulls the ball out of midair with a note with like about five, six Liverpool players around him yeah. and just dominates that ball. And I think Ryan wouldn't have done that because he, he you know, realistically, because of his, you know, his height and that's not his fault, but he, he wouldn't have do that. And yeah, Sanchez will probably go on to be a big top six keeper um, yeah. in a couple of years' time, probably. He might have won more year with us or two, but. We've done really well, frankly, to to find him in Turkey. He's been a brilliant signing, considering yeah. I mean he didn't do amazingly at Rochdale. A decent season, we didn't do amazingly. So to go from that to first choice for us in space of a year, and now Spain in the Euros is amazing. That's brilliant. Well, on that note, guys, we're going to take a short break. In part two, we're going to be joined by Oli Spurs fan, who's been with us a couple of times in the past, and to get his take on the Euros. We're moving into that subject, aren't we, at the moment now? Mentioning Robert Sanchez and all. And, of course, Ben White is with the England team. So we'll get a, a, Ollie's take on that and also on one or two of the other subjects that have been in the news recently. That's coming up after this short break. So welcome back to part two, where Peter Sully our Canadian friend and I are joined by Oli Goda, who we've had on the show a couple of times before. Spurs fan. We mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again. It looks like a sauna where he is. Um, he's got a bit of a screen issue, I think. But we can just see you, Oli. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Not bad, Ross. Good to be back on. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And um, we've been talking with Sully about his Albion affiliation and catching up with details on that. Of course, what's been going on over the summer already since our last episode, which was a drunken one for the pub, uh, <clears throat> uh, is uh, to talk about the Euros, which have gone underway on Friday. There's been a few games, one or two rather dramatic moments as well, uh, to say the least. Um, just to quickly summarise, so we, it opened with Turkey officially being the home team in Rome against Italy, or at least that's the way it was presented, which is a bit weird. Italy running out 3-0 winners against what had been billed as possibly one of the dark horses. On the, fr- on the um, Friday, that was, the Saturday, there were three games scheduled. Wales drew one all with Switzerland in the early game. Belgium beat Russia 3-0 in the later game. But the middle game was Denmark 0, Finland 1. But that doesn't tell the whole story. It was broken up by a matter of a couple of hours interruption just before half-time. 
due to a rather disastrous situation. Uh, Christian Eriksen, a well-known, famous, famous footballer, um, who of course is an ex-Tottenham player, um, who you know, you'll know very well, Ollie, um, suddenly collapsed. Um, no, no contact with other players. Just collapsed over as he was trying to chase towards the ball. Um, went over. Things didn't look good. Quickly looked very, very worrying. And it appeared to be a heart issue. I think it's been described as a cardiac arrest since. Um, there was a lot of worry as to exactly how badly this was going to p- turn out for quite some time. Um, pictures of very distraught players on the pitch from both sides, the fans as well in the stadium. Ericsson's wife, who appeared at the, at the sidelines, and Kasper Schmeichel, and I think the captain um, went over to, uh, to speak to her. Lots of lots of stuff going on, and there's been a lot of controversy about it as well in terms of the TV editing, whether they should have kept the cameras on for so long, whether the BBC themselves, who were covering the game, should have cut to the studio sooner. And there's also been an issue about the fact that the game was actually um, continued um, after this long break of a couple of hours. We'll get into that side of it in a moment. But Ollie, I mean... Just to bring you in on this, first of all, you, you know, as a Spurs fan, you'll obviously have felt even more distraught by the fact you're seeing a player um, go down in a game like this, in a tournament like this, when Denmark have been anticipating this for so many years to be one of the hosts for this multi-host event, um, and for the fact that you've got previous experience from a rather famous, similar or infamous similar situation before, haven't you? That's correct. Uh, so. I wasn't actually watching the game live, in fact, on the weekend. Uh, I was out. Uh, Sina Russ, through uh, the football team we're both involved with, and our football team chat, basically going non-stop during the Euros. Check it. Phones vibrated probably 80 to 100 times, and it's, oh, wow, Ericsson, Ericsson's getting CP on the side of the pitch, and... I know it's on a personal level. I thought relieved I hadn't seen that because for me, uh, having been present at the Fabrice Mwamba incident where he had the cardiac arrest on the pitch, I was in the front row. It's so harrowing to, to see someone there live receiving CPR and uh, sort of having defibrillator used because for all intents and purposes, they're clinically dead. And to see that happen in front of your very eyes, it's very shocking. And uh, I mean, when, when it happened in Bwamba, I was in the front row and I saw the chest compressions, saw the defibrillator and I cried. I just couldn't take it. I cried and ran into the gantry. In fact, it was such an emotional part. I'd never thought I would ever react like that in fact. But I think so many people did. It's It's... Very shocking, in fact. Yeah, it's very shocking. And, uh, yeah, I think just talking about it now, you can tell there's a bit of a tremble in my voice, but glad he's better. Apparently, he was shot uh, defibrillator immediately, and that brought his sort of heart into a normal rhythm. And he was semi-conscious when he was brought off the pitch, in fact. So I think all, all signs for a positive recovery. Obviously, we have to monitor the condition afterwards. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Electrical, say, activity will be monitored. And as all, there's a chance he'd be fitted with an, uh, say, a, an, an implant, uh, well, an implanted defibrillator, in fact. So uh, potentially that's the end of his career. But I think, so looking back at Mwamba, who 
afterwards was so grateful for his life and grateful towards uh, uh, the clinicians who helped him. Uh, I think Erickson will feel the same and you'll probably find a new renewed sense of life in fact. So, uh, yeah, and not, not that it matters that much, but in terms of the fact that he's 29, isn't he? So he sort of had most of his career or larger parts of his career. So at least he's had some time at least. Uh, I know there's younger players who've actually died or, or others who've got very seriously ill um, who are much younger as well. So, I mean, there's, there's been people less of, far less famous who've, um, who've suffered with this as well. But to have somebody, I mean, it, at a Euros tournament, that's bad enough, but it, to have one of the sort of the stars, basically Dan, Denmark's, star player pretty much isn't they um go down with it it's, it kind of almost sounds strikes even more alarm doesn't it the fact that this, this could happen to anyone literally to anyone um what did you make of the the, the coverage um because there was a lot of criticism wasn't there as i mentioned just now about um if and when the editing for the tv should have cut to studio sooner it's a bit of a difficult one isn't it because you you want to catch the you want to catch the moment in in a sense, and you certainly don't want to not represent it. But then, it's quite intrusive for a, a, an ongoing, alive, unsure situation, which could go off in any direction, couldn't it? And I mean, if, if for example, he had died, which perished the thoughts. But if he had done, should they really have been having their cameras trained on him and even even showing the other players? Um, this is questionable, isn't it? Perhaps. Oh, completely. I think no idea how this might affect people watching the game. Hmm. Some, I think some fans of it, for example, it happened to, to say Harry Kane, for example, as an England fan, you'd be absolutely devastated. But obviously, you'll still be devastated with Ericsson, but it's, it's a case of a lot of people with quite strong emotions. And I think zooming in on, on him, on his wife, I don't think was hmm. a great taste. I remember with Mwamba, hmm. Uh, you could sort of see the, the feed and it was just all shots of a crowd basically, nothing on the players just willing, it was a crowd just willing Mwamba to, to to come back to life in fact and I think yeah, it could have been handled in much better circumstances uh, there's no, people might argue there's an educational sense of it, we're learning from this but I mean we've already learned from it, we've already had defibrillators pitch side, football has already screened for half conditions, I think it was just sensationalism really yeah, you could just pet focus on the crowd, couldn't you? Because that, that at least captures the, the drama, for, for want of a better word, without having the intrusion. Screened as well, because Brighton had a player who was screened and was found to have a, a, a heart you know, heart condition and mm. actually is now playing for Rangers and was part of their championship winning side and was made a bring yeah, for Connor Goldson. Yeah. For those tests, might at any point have had that, you know, had the similar thing happen to him. And it's it shows the importance of that and having defibrillators. And there's a really uh, sad story of people vandalising defibrillators outside a football ground uh, over the weekend just after that. Yeah. It was, yeah. Wonder yeah. what the, you know, the brain, you know, the intelligence of these people is. So it's such a stupid, pointless thing to do. And Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure the word intelligence comes into it, really, does it, yeah. those sort of people? Fair point. It does show the these tests because if you pick up someone like Connor Goldson, who... Yeah, had to be out for like he missed six months of his career for it. But if he, you know he's now able to play and you know everything's been sorted out and it's he's had an you know, amazing time at Rangers and you know it's it's won the league and you know been a key part of that. So it's it's a really kind of vital thing that they have these tests and obviously they can't pick up everything, but they can at least pick up some people who might have might be prone to this sort of thing. And yeah, 
Cash Schmeichel was was prominent in the on on the pitch in in terms of being one of the senior figures, and he handled himself. In fact, all the players handled themselves pretty well. The captain, especially, um, I think everyone conducted themselves excellently. Um, but his dad, of course, famous uh, famous goalkeeper himself, Peter Schmeichel, was damning in condemnation of UEFA. It's not the first time they've uh, not covered themselves in glory. Essentially, the game was was resumed a couple of hours later. Um, for what it's worth, Finland went on to win 1-0. And it's hardly surprising. Um, essentially, Denmark were offered the opportunity to continue the game if they wanted to, or to replay the, or to, to resume the game uh, at 12 o'clock the following day. And that was it. There wasn't any third choice given, apparently. And the, the third choice, if there was one, would presumably be the risk of forfeiting the game. Um he was damning in his in his condemnation of it. Uh, Danish journalists, I've heard, uh, say similar. I think certain pundits and, and journalists over here have said the same. It seems pretty shoddy that they offered those two choices. Firstly, to replay the game. Uh, sorry, not to replay, to, to carry on the game on the same day. It just, you know, it's not realistically a good option. They did do that, but how can they play? They were They were in tears when they were warming back up, as they warmed back up. How can they be in a condition or a state, uh, firstly, to to make a decision on whether to play or not, and secondly, mm. to play? It's ridiculous. The other option of playing at 12 o'clock on the, uh, the day after, equally ridiculous, because they're not going to get any sleep after what's happened. Even if they did, they're going to have to get up at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning to get the, the, the pre-match prep started um, in order to get a 12 o'clock kickoff for, um, you know, for half a match of football. Um the UEFA have said that uh, the players requested that they carry on playing. That's a bit disingenuous, isn't it, really? I mean, they, of the two options they were given, they requested to carry on playing. That doesn't mean they requested to play the game on. I'm sure they would have rather had at least the 48 hours that apparently they could be afforded if there'd have been a COVID outbreak. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't like to, um, to pick on an obvious target, but UEFA can't stand them. It's gone under the radar with the Super League stuff, but they put in a disgraceful new format for the Champions League, which I can't abide. Now you've got this situation. It doesn't bode well, does it? We've mentioned it quite a few times, I think, hasn't it? We've, uh, we've talked mm. about their terrible new... I mean, UEFA, <laughs> UEFA are only, only FIFA, I think, are worse than UEFA, aren't they? I mean, it's only really... Yeah. That <laughs> ...make UEFA look in any way half-competent and non, dare I say, corrupt and... <laughs> yeah. Well, in, any other, in any other combinations, they would look terrible, but because they're compared to FIFA, they look slightly better. Yeah, well, bringing Sully back in on this, I know Sully, you did say you've been to a, uh, you've been watching a few of the Euros games following what's been going on. I think you saw the England game. We'll come to that in a moment. But um, in terms of this this situation, what what did you make of it? Did you did you catch the the, the situation yeah, I, as it was unfolding at the time? Yeah, <clears throat> I thought that uh, it was. Uh, the choices that they were giving, given uh, to make was uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, hmm. it, you know, the, the, it was like the lesser of two evils, if you will. I think they probably just wanted to get, they were there, they wanted to get on with it and get it over with. But I feel that they should have been given at least 48 hours to kind of catch their hmm. emotional selves up, uh, perhaps, um you know, ha- at least have the opportunity to understand uh, that their teammate was alive and that he was recovering and in the hospital under good care. 
uh, and uh, maybe even get a text message from them to kind of build themselves up to, you know, let's get one for him, you know, let's get this win for him type thing. But they didn't have time to do any of that. And as you said, even had they chose the, the second option, still wouldn't have had time. Uh, there should have been at least 48 hours. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, because I, I, I did say they, they offered counselling and, and sort of yeah, help. But the fact of the matter is this, the time, time scale is too small, isn't it? And when you're under I mean, such emotional stress as that, you can't yeah. make rational decisions, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So a terrible situation. We'll, we'll move on from that, though, because um, all we say on to, to finish on that subject is that as far as we're, we understand that he's uh, recovering now and things seem to be on the mend. So that's good news to hear and for all concerned. Um, how it bodes for Denmark with the tournament, we'll, we'll see what happens. As I said, they lost the game on the day 1-0. On the Sunday, of course, we had, um, well, Group C took place in full, Austria beating North Macedonia debutants for the tournament uh, by three goals to one. It was Austria's first ever win in the tournament. Netherlands had a really good game with Ukraine. They were 2 0 up, threw it away. It was back to 2 all. So, quite an impressive comeback actually from Ukraine, but snatched a winner to win 3 2. Those were the later games. Earlier in the day was the completion of uh, Group D, sorry, the first game of Group D, I should say, which was England against Croatia. England winning 1-0. Ben White didn't play a part, although he was warming up and looking for a while like he might come on towards the end. Um, all in all, though, good performance. Uh, guys, what did you make of it? Ollie, first of all, what, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was typical first game in a tournament performance, in fact. Uh, mm. Lack of fluidity... I think the front three didn't really gel as well as they could, which bodes well, really, if uh, Guardiola sees Kane not playing well with Foden and Sterling. They won't want to take him on. But, yeah, I, I, for me, I think there just needs to be a bit more creativity in the team as well. Uh, I don't like the inverted wing-back in Trippier, despite being a good player. Mm. I quite like having someone being able to run on the outside and put a cross in, in fact. And I think it makes us quite predictable in our play. Otherwise, I think it's a good start. You can't get excited, but I mean, these Euros can be won by a team that's not the best team, but a team that can grind out wins, in fact. And if we can do that, mm. then I'd be pleased. Look at Greece from, say, oh, God, such a long time ago. Look at Portugal, not necessarily the best team, but they grind mm. out winning one with Edda up top. So, yeah, it's yeah. a play for still. It's about timing, isn't it? Timing how you how you progress through the tournaments. Timing of when people are in form. Um, I mean, I look at the um, the Poland game, which was uh, the one of the, one of the games that was played yesterday. Uh, today. Uh, sorry, yesterday um, they lost two one at home to Slovakia. They've got a guy Moda who's play, who's an Albion player, um, and they didn't play him until very late in the game. He's one of their best players, I think. I'm not just saying that as an Albion fan. I genuinely think he's one of their best players. It's a tight you know, a tight match, one of the key fixtures in that group, in a, in a group that's got Spain and Sweden in it, and they didn't really play him. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you want to you want to time things in the tournament correctly, but you've got to you've got to get the results as well. I mean, with England, we've got so we've got an abundance of choices, and Trippier was he the right choice? Was Phillips the right choice? There was question marks about Sterling. He hasn't been in the best of form, but you look at what happens, and Trippier seemed to do fine. Mings, who a lot of people have criticised, including me and Peter, um, actually did fine, to be fair to him. And 
Phillips set up the goal for those that did criticise. Phillips set the goal up for for Sterling, um, which was the decisive factor in our match, the England game. Um, so, you know, we've we've got an abundance of riches, but I think for us having that. It's about rotating it round and, and getting everyone involved during the group stages. I think we can get through comfortably anyway. We've done the trickiest of the three on paper, even though they're past their best Croatia. I think they're still the trickiest. Um, I think really for me, it's about just trying to get as many of the players involved as possible, but still get the results. And then, as you said, Bolly, it's you know it's about um, competition football, just getting through, grinding out results. And then maybe stepping into form in the later stages. Um, Peter, what, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I think pretty much agree with most of that. We we were okay. We weren't. We had a really good spell in the first half between like ten and thirty minutes, where I thought we looked really good. Um, other than that, they yeah, it didn't quite click up front. But I, I actually didn't. Yeah, I was annoyed. I was a little bit annoyed he played Phillips as defensive midfielder, but he didn't actually do that. So I assumed on paper that it'd be Phillips and Rice defensively, but actually. Phillips played a lot further forward, which was quite good, actually. And he looked quite decent. And if we're lucky, maybe Leeds will end up having to sell him and then he'll they'll drop into the you know, Vauxhall Conference or something. Or, and, <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought England generally played pretty well. Kane was pretty quiet. Sterling was, I thought, generally pretty quiet as well, except for the goal. But yeah, they, they looked, Foden looked really lively first half, but then faded a bit. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Phillips, yeah, I'd probably man the match and... Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's given to Sterling, but I I agree. I think Phillips is man of the match, and Sonny. I mean, bid for him. You know, Leeds will offer Leeds will probably take half a million or something like that. Yeah, um, Sonny. I mean, obviously you're a Canadian citizen, but you must be following. Are you following England? Are you supporting England during this tournament? I I am supporting England, and I was Excellent. supporting Wales as well. Oh, Phil okay. Wales would kill me if I wasn't. And, um, <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, the, um, Ollie said something that, well, first of all, he had, I agree 100% with what he said, but he said one thing in particular that uh, I found, uh, predictability. I think that uh, we're too that we're too predictable, and uh, I think that um, it doesn't bode well at the moment. I agree with you that, first of all, we will come out of this, uh, this uh, group, no problem. If we can only beat Croatia one nil, um, to me it doesn't bode well for when we start meeting some of the so-called better teams. Mm. Um, hopefully, and and even if we were to <clears throat> play the other two teams in the our division at the moment, our group rather, and uh, and beat them, uh, they're the, they're so-called the weaker teams in the group. So. <clears throat> it, I don't feel comfortable. Let's put it that way. It does feel like quite a weak group, doesn't it? I was, I must admit, I was pretty pleased when I saw who'd be drawn. And this isn't a great incarnation of Croatia. I know we played them in the last tournament. We played them. We, we lost in a World Cup semi-final, so they couldn't have been too bad then. But to be honest with you, I think they were get-at-able then. And they're an, a more aging team now. Yeah, We've been... Modric is three years older, isn't he? So exactly, yeah, yeah. not not That's even fair, two yeah. years older, but three years older because of the delay tournament. And right. and yeah, Perisic just seems to be past his best. And yeah. also the fact we beat them more convincingly in that Nations League thing as well. So it feels as if we're, you know, I agree with you. We could have beaten them and should have beaten them more convincingly. I'm not too worried myself, as long as we, um, if we're pacing ourselves and just getting into our stride later on in the tournament. But um, yeah, back to you, Sully. Uh, my other uh, th- thing that I wondered, uh, recently, 
um, as I mentioned earlier in the first part, long before Brighton ever became part of the Premier League, uh, my Premier League team was Everton. And um, and still is. I still kind of have a, a, a small mm. part of my heart that goes with them. I've heard nothing but bad stuff about Pickford coming out of the Ever Everton podcast, etc. And so I'm not comfortable with him as well. If he doesn't play as well as he can, if he plays as poorly as he played in the latter half of last season, uh, I'm not comfortable with that either. We'll, we'll see. Only time will tell, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I think it's even more highlighted today because we've lost Henderson that England only have behind him uh, Johnston with one cap and Ramsdale with none. So, yeah, we're relying heavily on Pickford both staying fit and available and uh, keep it, he is very random, keeping his... And the worry is, I mean, as much as Ming's had a good game there, he is prone to mistakes. Stones is mm. prone to mistakes. Pickford's prone to mistakes. The idea that none of those three will make a big mistake that will cost us at some point is... Ben White! <laughs> well, I, th I think you know, all of the answers are stunk, really, but yeah, anyway... Well, let's face it. The only reason we won that game was because there was a Brighton and Hove Albion seagull on the team. We've never Absolutely. lost a psychology. Yeah, we've never Absolutely. lost a match when there was a Brighton player on. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, Roddy. And Brighton have got a one hundred percent record for players representing England. We've got a hundred percent record when they've played. It's not a very large number of games, but there, there is a tangible amount. There's five, I think it's five players, isn't it? We don't, we don't have to too much though, because Southgate will probably bring him on with a minute left when they're three down against Scotland, just to <laughs> right just to ruin it, <laughs> just to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, but there we go. Speaking of Scotland, just to sum up Monday's games, Group D was concluded with the early kickoff: Scotland nil, Czech Republic two. Notable by the fact that Scotland's a little bit of misfortune, a little bit of lack of clinical acts in the uh, final third. And the Czech Republic... <laughs> yes, a bit brighton The uh, Czech Republic didn't really play great. I'm not that impressed with them, but they did score two good goals. I mean, the header goal was good. And was it Schnitz? Was it? Yeah. I can't remember his name. Big slick, yeah. yeah. Slick. Um, with, with the long-range shot from just inside his half, he made a run from just inside his own half, saw the goalie off his line, made contact straight off, curved it in uh, from well, whatever it was, 55 yards or something. Brilliant goal. Um, so well-taken goals, fair play to them, 2-0 win. Scotland will be disappointed, though. Um, and they've got us next, so we'll see what happens. Uh, group E, Poland 1, Slovakia 2, we've mentioned. The other game was Spain 0, Sweden 0. One point I wanted to make from this was Spain had, well, I think it was 900 passes or was it 9 million, something like that. I think it's a record or something like that for, for international competitive games or somewhere thereabouts. Yet they didn't score. Again, very Brighton. 85% possession, wasn't it, or something like that as well? <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? Mound. And, yeah, they've got Morales up front, who is, is famously known for being pretty profligate in front of goal. He, he yeah. and Werner should be our key summer targets at Brighton. Because they were both missed chances on a more regular basis than any of us. <laughs> and absolutely, and boys, we've we've seen it before. Sweden have got that uncanny habit of sapping the life out of competitions, haven't they? It's quite impressive. Um, they do have a good striker who I like, and the gent, a uh, friend of the show, will back me up in the fact that I've uh, already been singing his praises before this um, this game that took place. But he was looking pretty good. I'm a big fan of his. I would like him to sign for the Albion. I fear that that's already that going... already well out of sight before the Euros. To be I honest. think it probably was, wasn't I mean, it? I mean, he's a rep. 
one of the hot prospects in Europe before he scored. He was, you know, he played quite well last night. It's a perfect match, isn't it, Peter? I mean, you know, Real Madrid striker, 21 years old. He's yeah, tall. Say, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got great from, player. He started off at Dortmund, didn't he? And he, he looked pretty decent mm. there, but they sold him to Sociedad. And uh, yeah, I think he's on for slightly higher things than us. Maybe could be Tottenham, Molly. Maybe more Newcastle than us. France. No, no, he's too expensive for us probably now. So he'll probably go to United or, or City. In fact, that's his yeah it's his sort of level. So yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a tragedy. Yeah, it's a shame if he goes there. Horrible place. No, anyway, you, never mind. Football, uh, club football, Nate. What do you make of the potential new manager, Ollie? Uh, I mean, it's the sort of person I think that say West Ham would have signed back in the day, or Newcastle would have signed. But I mean. I wouldn't say given mm. the chance in terms of saying, well, it's it's a new Spurs. There's a rebuild happening, but yeah, let's see how it goes. Really, yeah, I'm, I can't say I'm convinced. I'm, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. But um, he, he feels like he's a good manager, but not a great manager. That's the impression I've got. Well, well, ironic we'll that he and Mourinho have swapped clubs effectively. Mm. Yeah. I um, uh, was reading something Ollie about uh, this. It's Fonseca, is it not? Yeah. I heard that uh, fans were screaming they wanted uh, a manager who was more of a uh, had an uh, attacking mindset, and they were not happy with uh, that. Now, that's just a few fans uh, that I read that about. What do you think? To be honest, I don't really know too much about him. In fact, but I think the attacking mindset is good. I think being able to make difficult decisions. being able to say sell players who've been at the club for quite a while, who potentially haven't hit the heights, such as Dyer and hopefully Winks and Sissoko. So uh, I think that's that's the main thing there. Being able to, I think I'll judge him more on on, on the way he sort of say treats the squad rather than on the initial football he plays because it's right now it's a long term process. Yeah. Are, you, are you hopeful he'll bring Deli Ali back in properly? I mean he. He feels like he, Mourinho wasted his potential and quality, or was it more that Ali kind of dropped down a bit? Or I think uh, Ali's issue is that he's a really nice guy, lovely kid, but I just it just doesn't seem to learn. He doesn't seem to improve as a player. So for me, I'd, I'd love to keep him, but you've sort of got to build a team around him, Kevin Nolan style, and you've got just has to work harder than simple parts of his game, really. Yeah, because in the last World Cup, he was one of the key players, wasn't he? And for Tottenham and England at that point, and obviously, yeah, something's not quite worked out over the last few year, couple of year or so. Better players have come in for England than him, such as Graylish, mm. even Madison, Lingard's in better form, uh, Mount. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I'll say it's his own fault, but they obviously, he's not progressed as, he's, as he should have. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's the case, but we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it looks like Everton are going for Nuno, doesn't it? It looks like that might be back yeah. on. Last I heard, anyway. Um, the merry-go-round continues. Um, well, one former Brighton player, by the uh, Brighton guy, I should say, is under 23s guy Simon Russ. We mentioned him on one of the recent podcasts, Peter. Um, managing Stockport, unfortunately, they've missed out in the after getting through the eliminator rounds. Two, three, two home wins, by the way, in the national. League Prem eliminated. Third, they didn't get through the elimination round. Yeah, that that was prior to the to, yeah. to the other game, uh, and then um, that, they avoided. Yeah, it. that that meant that Notts County played um, away to Torquay and lost four two. So we had two three two wins. Then we had um, 
Torquay beating Notts County 4-2. Getting one of uh, Notts County's goals. Yes, that's right. Chickson scoring of all people, would you believe? Brand time, very, very short time. <laughs> short time Albion player, yeah. Um, and, um, and then we had a, a rather more boring 1-0 win for um, Hartlepool. Dave Channeler, good lad, and plays a good brand of football. Um, 1-0 away at, at Stockport, who, who run by Simon Rusk at the moment. They've got Will Collar and um, I think it's Harry Cardwell, two ex-Albion youth players in their team, interestingly. Both who were substituted late in the game. Either way around, couldn't get a result. They lost 1-0. So um, it's going to be the final for the National League um, is on Sunday uh, for the playoffs. And it's going to be Torquay, former league club, versus another United, Hartlepool, also former league club, to see who can join Sutton in the Football League next season. Um, so that's one bit of news there. In terms of um, the Euros, just to round up that, so today's games, as we record this on Tuesday, Hungary rather unluckily lost 3-0 to Portugal. I thought it was a close game. Portugal probably deserved to win it, but they looked like they were going to lose it. But for an offside decision late in the game, I think on about 80 minutes or so, they ended up scoring a minute or two later and um, and ended up winning 3-0, which is a rather flattering score. Guess who scored two goals? Scoring twice. Yeah, what was annoying about that was I was trying to put a bet on for second scorer, Ronaldo. I had a feeling they were going to go on to get a second one. And as I was placing the bet, the penalty was awarded. The, the betting site went into suspended mode and I missed out. I knew he was going to take the penalty. I was fuming, <laughs> I have to say. Annoying, annoying. Um, the, the final game of the first round in this Euro roundup is um, France-Germany. Um, as we're recording, I don't know if you want to know, guys, because you're going to watch the game afterwards. Do you know what's going on there? I do, yes. Are you okay, That's... everyone, if I reveal this? France have just scored a goal. Brilliant. I don't know who scored it yet. At the 20-minute mark. Yeah, 20-minute mark. Own goal, by the looks of it, which is amusing. There's been a few of those. Um, Hummels. Yeah. So that's that's a big game in that game in that um, in that group, and it will complete the first round of fixtures in the Euros. We'll be doing a summary after each round of games. By the way, that's our plan through the next part of the summer, um, including some more podcasts if we can manage to stay sober, Peter. Hmm. I think you can, <laughs> um, to be honest. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, so, I mean, that pretty much sums up this episode. Just a few bits more. Um, Sully, first of all, with you, I mean, we mentioned you You and I know each other from the bomb board, the Brighton official message board from the old days. Um, I mentioned that I've, uh, you were coming on here. We've had greetings from a number of, number of people. I want to read it out to you. Malcolm, a.k.a. Cheshire, says, send in my regards, a good old international from the bomb board. Um, Maria in Yorkshire says, virtual hug from me for Sully. Kisses. Um, hello from Moya. Long time no speak. Hi, says John, a.k.a. CNC. Um, all the best from Lockie, um, who then went on to say, as a Canadian, I bet he's glad Brighton are in the Premier, as other Canadians will now know who it is he's been claiming to support all these years. <laughs> <laughs> right on, yeah. Which is probably true. Yeah, it might have been quite an explanation job beforehand. You've also had a hello from Indiana, which is Alistair, friend of the yes. show, Manchester-based Brighton fan. Uh, Wiltz, who we were talking about earlier, the prison warden in Wiltshire, uh, says, give my regards. Yeah, he's, yeah, that's right, the former belly bounce champion. He says, give my regards. And um, speaking of, um, we mentioned uh, Wiltz and the, the, the prison programme at a time. He was talking about how that might not be a true representation of the prison service. Speaking of TV programmes, is anybody going to watch Where Eagles Dare? The exciting new 
Amazon Prime documentary centered around Crystal Palace behind the scenes. Anybody up for that? I will be avoiding oh. that like the plague. <laughs> Especially the bit where they show footage of the BTS in the playoffs. Who so, are they? Which I don't know. I've never heard of them, to be honest. I, I just thought somebody here might know. No. Not, yeah. not ringing any bells? No, yeah. fair enough. They're based in some sort of slum in uh, South London. <laughs> it's just going to be Simon Jordan talking about himself, basically, for 10 episodes of an hour. Are yeah. they going to talk about uh, Zaha and uh, his familiarity with the turf? <laughs> if you want to, yeah. Any, any words? Any digs quickly at Zaha? Feel free. This is the place for it. Yeah. <laughs> no? Like no, will he... Well, even as that, I, I I just wanted to sum up, but a couple of other bits from the the season review very quickly. We 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 did a big thing on the on the podcast, not because we were intoxicated at all, but I missed a couple of bits I was going to mention. One was I have to say I'm so impressed with how large and magnificent Thomas Frank's ears are. Absolutely extraordinary, the Brentford manager. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep people on the edge there. No, I, I like Thomas Frank, but his ears are are quite captivating. Um, also. End of the Premier League season. This is one for you, Ollie. Reguilon um, scored a rather stylish own goal, I'm sure you'll agree, on the final game of the season. Um, I think it was the final game, or was it the game before? I can't remember now. It was. Do you know, there was a very significant landmark to that goal. Do you know what it was, Ollie? The thousandth Premier League own goal. It was indeed. Yes, that is some claim to fame. I reckon you should get a signed shirt from him. Get on it. Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a few other bits of football news. There's too much to go on to here. So we'll probably sum up a few few more bits when we do our Euros Roundup Part 2 at the end of the second round of group games. We'll probably round up the episode there. So can I just say, first of all, um, let's hope England can go as far as we can. I'm, I'm hoping the best. I hope you're wrong in a sense, Sully, that um, this doesn't bode well. I'm hoping it's just the signs of a, a team getting into their stride because quite often teams win tournaments without having a good start. In fact, I think Portugal, who Oli mentioned, um, when they won the tournament, I think they might have lost or had a really bad game, at least, at the beginning of that tournament. So, right, you I know... Through all three group games, and I seem to remember being very happy oh, that, that's right. that we got Iceland mm. from that group rather than Portugal, and then, obviously, that was uh, history after mm. that. That didn't go so well. Yeah, so there's that to look f- to look forward to. Maybe we... we, we and, and again, we're playing playing Portugal's... Uh, someone from Portugal's group quite possibly in the second round, so... Well, that will probably be like happy we're playing Hungary and then I'm not as out or something. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, indeed. We uh, Just to explain then, so we're going to do a Euros after every round. We will, as the, as the summer wears on, do some special quiz episodes as well, which may be partly overlapping on the Euros. And um, we're also going to do a special on fanzines later in summer. And, um, well, we'll, well, we'll see where we go from there. Um, I don't know, Ollie, if you fancy coming on for the quiz, actually, as, as a regular, a sort of semi-regular, I suppose you, you could be described as. Do you fancy the quiz in the summer? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd be very well up for that, in fact. So I'd like to find my football knowledge is brilliant on parallel. But, uh... Excellent. It, it's a gen- general football quiz. It won't be yeah, Albion related, right, don't worry. Question, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. played in the, the 19, that was a team sheet in the 1972 game against Greenfield. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can make it Spurs related. Who scored for Albion reserves against Tottenham in 1987? Uh, something like that. <laughs> no, but okay, we'll put you down on the list. Um, so that that's great. Thanks for joining us, Ollie, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get you on again uh, during the summer and also in the, into the new season. Thank you especially to Sully, aka Bradley Sullivan, for joining us for your debut. I hope you've enjoyed yourself, sir. And it's great okay. to see you after all this time. 
Yeah, you as well. Loved it. Love this. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I can't. It's great I hearing from say... my old mates too, sending in messages. That was nice. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure they're they're all wishing you well there. And um, we'll have to we'll have to meet up again eventually when things go back to some kind of normal in the future. Maybe yeah. another trip over to the UK. Well, I um, love that. Yeah, we should say as well. All four of us are in London, or we will be in London. I'm in North London. Peter's in South London. Ollie is nowadays in South London. He's a North London boy, and Sully is formerly and currently soon to be again a London or Ontario resident, aren't you? That's correct. So it's all about the Londons. Yeah, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Brilliant. So on that note, guys, we bid you farewell in the usual way, Peter, by saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Hi, just Russell back here with a quick summary. The morning after our recording with Sully, our Canadian fan, friend, and with Ollie, Tottenham fan, who were on the show last night. Just to confirm that the game that was underway when we were recording, the France-Germany game, where France had held a 1-0 lead due to a Hummel's own goal, did in fact go on to win the match by that scoreline. So they have got off to a winning start in the hope to claim the Euros off the back of having won the World Cup three years ago. And they are the favourites. They are the team I fancy most to win it. And they've started as they mean to go on, ominous for everybody else. Well, anyway, that's the end of the first round of group games. We will be summing up the second round of group games in due course next week. In the meantime, a couple of other bits of football news I wanted to round off as well before we finish this episode. First of all, good news. Neil Morpay was abused online uh, in a racial and highly abusive fashion, by all accounts, um, some time ago. A conviction has been achieved in the last couple of weeks from his abuser, who comes from Singapore. Um, the conviction has been has been made. The sentence is due to be passed next month in July, and we, um, we hope that this will be a deterrent, although I fear it won't, for so many other abusers that seem to be active at the moment, and it's escalating all the time, isn't it? Anyway... Good news that the conviction has been found. Um, in the meantime, there's also news of a survey that was conducted in March and April by the Football Supporters Association on the subject of VAR. The findings have been published recently, and the main points are these. More than 40% of fans have said that they will be attending fewer games due to the effect VAR is having on the game. 39% of season ticket holders said that they are likely to attend fewer games in the future as a result of the continued impact of VAR, and 44% of regular match-goers said that they felt the same way. 95% of match-going fans surveyed said that VAR had made watching matches less enjoyable. 94% of TV viewers felt the same. 91% of match-going fans said VAR decisions are generally not resolved in a reasonable amount of time. 86% of people watching on TV uh, concurred with that. 77% of supporters also believe referees need to take more time to explain VAR decisions in the stadiums. Only 4% of fans think VAR has had a positive impact on their team, and 78% said that it had had a def definite negative effect. Finally, only 26% of fans surveyed were in general favour of VAR. Certainly plenty of food for thought there for the authorities ahead of the new season. Clearly VAR will continue in what shape or form is going to be the question and how they can modify, adapt, change and improve for next season is going to be the key. Well, a couple of other bits of uh, news. Um, first of all, um, some bad news. It sounds as if Wideleaf 
and also Abingdon Town non-league football clubs um, at the hearts of their communities are both in danger of losing their grounds. The lease has been withdrawn. Not quite sure of the details. It um, seems to revolve around one particular company that owned the lease for both grounds, as I understand it. That company apparently has connections with former Liverpool and Wales legend Ian Rush. Uh, we hope it's not too tight a connection because that wouldn't be great if, uh, as things sound, this seems to be a property deal uh, type of situation. We're hoping those clubs will survive. We're not sure of the details too much, but we'll try to talk more on that in due course. Um, one other bit of news on the Super League. Seferin has had another go at his former friend, the Juve president, um, Agnelli, um, over the issue of Super League, um, having previously described his mate as a snake following the Dirty Dozen's failed coup, he has now stated that the Juve president doesn't exist. Um, he's been quite a busy man in general, Seferin, and in the news. Last week, ahead of the Euros, he was meeting the Pope for a publicity um, event, and he's um, presiding over the tournament itself, of course, now, as we speak. Now, today is Wednesday the 16th of June, and that means two things. First of all, Albion's fixtures for their record fifth successive Premier League campaign have been announced, and they will start with the dreariest of all possible outcomes, an away game at Burnley on the 14th of August. Um, Seeing as away fans won't be able to travel, I would imagine, at that early stage of the season, it's probably the best possible time for that fixture to take place. Anyway, after that, on the 21st of August... We have a home game with Watford and another home game on the 28th against Everton to start our campaign off. The game after that, and after an international break, on the 11th of September is Brentford away, a fixture I'm really looking forward to and hoping away fans will be allowed to attend by that time. Brentford's new ground, of course, early into their first ever season in the Premier League level, their first time in the top flight for about 80 years. Should be a good event and they're a good bunch of fans. We're hoping to get a Brentford fan on actually over the summer to talk about both Brentford's promotion and their recent rise in general and also uh, England because he's a staunch England fan, the guy we've got in mind to bring on. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, Crystal Palace follows soon after. That's on the 25th for the away game. And then in January on the 15th, as things stand, we've got the home game with them. The season finishes with late April fixtures at home to Southampton and away at Wolves, followed by May fixtures versus Man United at home, Leeds United away and West Ham United at home on the final game of the season, which we already know is a fixed date. That's Sunday the 22nd of May. So all of that to look forward to. The other reason I wanted to mention the 16th of June is because, of course, it is Sussex Day. So I would like to wish a very happy Sussex Day to all our listeners. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to contact us, you can do so on Twitter at Brighton Rock Pod. You can also email us brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, thank you very much to all of our listeners. Thank you again to Sully and to Ollie, our guests on this week's episode. And in the meantime, we'll say as usual, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.